Welcome to Pushback. I'm Aaron Maté. A new documentary film goes inside Puerto Rico's struggle against converging crises, Washington-imposed neoliberal austerity, and the devastation of Hurricane Maria. The film is called Drills of Liberation. For the past 10 or 12 years, the government has passed a lot of measures that have banished the possibility to live properly. The government is not an alternative. Puerto Rico is $73 billion in debt. And so uh, we are going to uh, put in uh, to effect an oversight board. Right-sizing the government is necessary because it's not affordable. The Puerto Rican government, instead of auditing the debt, has covered up for these individuals and rewarded them. Hurricane Maria, which just made landfall in Puerto Rico this morning as a Category 4 storm just down from Category 5 hurricane. We are dying here. We have to maximize resources because Sometimes people don't get to eat. You get just a small portion. We would like to serve more, but we can't. We think that the best way to shift this into another direction is helping people to live better. I mean, it has to be the people directly affected by colonialism that resist colonialism. Now, I hate to tell you, Puerto Rico, but you've thrown our budget a little out of whack. They have taken advantage of disaster capitalism, a hurricane that have left us vulnerable. Joining me now is Juan Carlos Davila, the filmmaker behind Drills of Liberation. Juan Carlos, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Aaron. So let me ask you to talk about what Puerto Rico has been dealing with and how your film explores it. Yeah, Aaron. So uh, really what, it, what is happening right now in Puerto Rico, uh, perhaps in the last five to four years, uh, is the is the consolidation of uh, the colonial forces in Puerto Rico? Uh, perhaps what uh, before uh, you know this uh, entire debate about whether Puerto Rico was a United States territory or whether uh, Puerto Rico is a Commonwealth of the United States. It has been clear that uh, Puerto Rico is nothing more than a colony of the United States, and. Uh, and the, and the 2016 uh, PROMESA bill uh, shows that because it just shows how 
the uh, United States uh, with uh, with just a, a signature is able to uh, take over all of uh, the decision making of Puerto Ricans. Puerto Ricans, you know, uh, since uh, 1952 had a had a, an, a we elected a, a governor here, and it seems that we had certain capacity and virtually some uh, some uh, capacity of of, of decision making, right? But uh, what uh, what it was evidence in 2016 is that the Puerto Rican Constitution of 1952 really means nothing, and uh, it was uh, it was just a, a strategy of uh, the U.S. Uh, back then, but that the plenary powers of uh, the United States Congress of Puerto Rico remain and have not changed since uh, we became colony of the U.S. in uh, 1868. And what has happened in these four uh, uh, to five years, last uh, four to five years, is that we've seen how the U.S. have made use of that power and how that uh, display, or this, uh, how, the, how that display of uh, of colonial forces through uh, not necessarily through the use of force, but through the use of uh, of institutions uh, and the colonial institutions that are in Puerto Rico uh, are uh, continue to be uh, controlled by the United States. And what I'm and, and going to this, and this is where where the documentary starts uh, in 2016. Like I was saying before, the U.S. Uh, uh, signed and, and and passed the PROMESA Act, which was an act to put an oversight uh, management and a fiscal control board really over uh, Puerto Rico to uh, oversee uh, the finances of Puerto Rico. Uh, but uh, but really, it doesn't oversee. It really uh, pushes for a public policy. The budgets of the of, that the Puerto Rican government uh, uh, that the Puerto Rican government approves. Uh, needs to be uh, approved again by this uh, fiscal control board, which is uh, uh, which is composed of seven unelected members uh, appointed by Congress and confirmed by the U.S. president. So basically, what this is telling us is that Puerto Ricans don't have any decision-making power in their own land, and what we are seeing right now in the last five and four years is uh, is that is is uh, is that happening? And with that happening, what is what what is worse is that uh, austerity measures are being implemented in in the most severe ways, and the neoliberal plan of the U.S. and Washington. It's been imposed uh, over the Puerto Rican people like never before. So your film contrasts this uh, unelected fiscal control board, so-called fiscal control board, which is basically comprised of uh, wealthy people, uh, hedge fund managers, vulture capitalists, and you con you contrast them with the people on the ground who are protesting. You basically follow a series of protests um, as they're happening. So let's go to a clip of one protest where maybe set it up for us. You have protests here, protesters here, uh, set it, uh, building some wooden shields for themselves. Yeah. So, uh, so ever since the the 2016 uh, Promesa uh, bill was passed, the first thing that happened is that there was a camp in uh, in front of the of the U.S. federal court in Puerto Rico. 
eh, Puerto Rico has a, a federal court, eh, I'm sorry, eh, the U.S. has a federal court in Puerto Rico that has all the powers and it operates like any other eh, federal court in the U.S. And it's, and it's a place of the highest, eh, perhaps, authority in, the, in, in Puerto Rico. And, uh, and there was a camp eh, that was established eh, there to eh, protest PROMESA. And there was the idea that people would not leave the camp until... Eh, until the PROMESA Act was repealed. But then due to, uh, to, uh, to different strategies that emerged through the movement, uh, that camp uh, trans transcended into what is uh, the movement, promises are over, uh, Jornadas Acabaron Las Promesas. And this, uh, and Jornadas Acabaron Las Promesas is a group that I focus on the documentary, which is a group that at the very beginning, what, where the, what was the movement and the organizers who led the struggle against PROMESA. They made, a, they, for example, organized a very uh, important, a very important protest on uh, August 31st, 2016 uh, in front of the Hotel Condado Plaza in San Juan where, they where the Chamber of Commerce of Puerto Rico was was really a, was a giving a, a presentation to investors and to these vulture fund, uh, funds about how they could uh, make better business in Puerto Rico under this new uh, law. So uh, one of the things that characterizes these movements is the black and white uh, Puerto Rican flag, like the one I, I have behind me, right, which is like a, a, a symbol of also decolonizing our own flag, or perhaps uh, giving uh, the radical and subversive meaning again, and and become a and have the flag of Puerto Rico become a, a symbol of resistance once again. Uh, and what and and this clip that we're going to be seeing is some of these organizers of this movement preparing uh, wooden shields with uh, the black and white Puerto Rican flags, the wooden shields that they use when, uh, to protect themselves from the police that constantly attacks them uh, in these protests against, against PROMESA. The country has a large debt, but it wasn't issued to favor the people nor for their quality of life. So the debt must be repaid by those who benefited, not by the people. We are preparing for an upcoming protest on August 31st. It is a protest to commemorate that after a year we still resisting. That's a clip from the film Drills of Liberation. So Juan Carlos, it's interesting. If people have heard of Puerto Rico in the news in, in the last few years, most people probably will have remembered the massive protests that ousted the governor, Ricky Rosselló. But what, what most people probably don't know is that mass protests have been continuing um, for many, many years and, and over a wide range of issues, uh, including neoliberal austerity, as you show in your film, and also um, things like the electricity crisis, the damage to Puerto Rico's power grid was extensive. And now you have a Canadian company, a uh, Canadian-American company named Luma, given a, a huge contract to handle the grid. Can you talk about the protests that have been happening there and, and why Luma in particular is under so much scrutiny? Thank you for mentioning that because uh, at first, uh, 
Puerto Ricans have been protesting, uh, you know, since 2016, there have been resistance in Puerto Rico. I mean, Puerto Rico has been resisting ever since uh, colonization, but, uh, but, uh, but we have seen a rebirth perhaps of, uh, of movements and of, of protesting in the, in the streets in the last uh, uh, four to five years, which is uh, the period that my documentary uh, covers. And guess neoliberalism in, in many in many forms, right? Doesn't necessarily has to be specifically against Promesa, but but it's still all all, uh, all of this is still connected uh, to that, uh, even though it's, it's not directly. And uh, and the Ricky Renuncia was perhaps a consolidation of all of that. Ricky Renuncia did not came out of nowhere, but Ricky Renuncia came out of uh, and this is something I've been saying. Came out of out of years and years of uh, of people being protesting, and perhaps in the and also what what went on uh, during the last four years. And I'm and I, and I say that be uh, if if it wasn't for for example the student movement that went on strike in 2017, if it wasn't for mo for movement like Jornadas uh, Agarola uh, Promesa movement, if it wasn't for the feminist movement uh, and the Colectiva Feminista en Construcción and uh, and and other er efforts that that were in the streets throughout throughout these years uh, the path would not have been laid out for Ricky Renuncia to happen later on, uh, which obviously was massive. But now the people, the, 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 the young people of Puerto Rico, having that memory that ha they have a significant victory, that they have been able to uh, to demand and, 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 and achieve the resignation of, 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 a, of a governor. And in this sense, people right now understand that they, they're, they're, the power is in the streets. And right now we, we are, the, the, this uh, continues with a new, uh, with a new uh, adjustment plan that is being proposed by the board. And also it continues through the protest against Fluma, which is this energy company that, uh, that uh, that you're mentioning the electrical company of puerto rico which was public was recently privatized and uh, this company luma was the one that entered and uh, and you would see like here that definitely the chuck doctrine like naomi klein describes in the in the in practice uh, you know the administrators of the colony the local elite the governors uh, the politicians, you know, had made sure that the that the public electrical system uh, does not function in Puerto Rico, and uh, and they have made sure that it collapsed. And after Hurricane Maria, it became the system became even more fragile. So it gives it gave it gave them the the support from the people at that moment, or not not the support, but uh, people to not necessarily go and defend their public uh, company when when the deals started happening, right? Uh, when when that those negotiations of privatization started happening, but now people have realized that the privatization doesn't work, that the system is even more fragile than when it was a public system. And uh, people are again starting to take into the streets. There have been uh, one of the first this again was organized uh, by Jornadas Agarro Las Promesas. The uh, promises are over. One of the first big protests against Luma where they shut down uh, one, uh, uh, one of the main highways uh, one of the more uh, in one morning, uh, one of the main highways where people enter to San Juan, the capital city. Uh, and then later, other protests have formed recently a couple, uh, about two weeks ago, uh, 
or three weeks ago, there were there was also a, a massive march uh, to uh, demand the cancellation of this contract. So people uh, are understanding that that privatization doesn't work, that the system is actually more fragile. And it's even worse now because uh, there's no people that really are holding accountability for that, right? Uh, and in that sense, uh, people are starting to organize and take into the streets, demanding the repeal uh, of and, and the cancellation of that uh, contract. And let's talk about the school system as well. Right now, there's also a huge protest movement going on at the University of Puerto Rico. Thousands of student protesters um, challenging austerity in a new measure that would cut, you know, tens of millions of dollars from education uh, in the uh, university system in Puerto Rico. Yeah, so what is happening right now at the university is that the fiscal, this fiscal control board has uh, proposed a new adjustment plan. And this adjustment plan is a plan that they uh, propose to, to get more money from the government to be able to pay bondholders. Uh, my, my documentary uh, uh, explains, you know, uh, uh, this, this debt uh, over the Puerto Rican people. And uh, where, and it, this is a debt that is owed uh, to Wall Street bondholders that really have, uh, have uh, seen Puerto Rico uh, as a cash cow. And and really, right now, what what, it, what is going on uh, is that uh, with these new adjustment plans, uh, the fiscal control board is is uh, you know with this debt that has been uh, created and fabricated to put our people in debt. Uh, now, uh, what the what the what the fiscal control board is doing is that they're ensuring that that debt is paid, but they're not. I mean, they're not really get, getting ensured that the debt is paid. As you know, they're they're making sure that we continue paying the debt, right? And and in order to do that, they are cutting. Uh, they are cutting uh, uh, funding from many public institutions, right? Uh, and and you would see how the services, for example, the the, the uh, in the health department, the education department, the natural resources department. How every time you need to to you you need something from from those from any of those agencies. There's way less personnel and there's way less resources, and this re is really costing us. But but the the one that is really getting hit the worst is really the 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 University of Puerto Rico the public University of Puerto Rico is the one that they are slashing without any consideration and uh, and 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 it it is you can see a very clear a very clear intention of destroying the university and in that sense destroying the the public the access to public education in Puerto Rico and that's why the students are uh, protesting the students are protesting uh, it's difficult right now for the students because throughout these cuts and uh, and and the lack of resources of the university the university itself has lost a lot of enrollment and a lot of uh, students uh, new new students are are going into the private universities, and and what that shows is 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 how uh, that agenda is being implemented of really privatizing. And I have no doubt that really the the final the the final goal of 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 all of this is privatizing entirely the 
the public education system of Puerto Rico. And, uh, and students uh, are out there protesting. Right now, uh, I believe in some way or the other, they had made a 48, 72-hour uh, 72 uh, strikes at uh, perhaps maybe all the campuses, which are 11 campuses, at least some form of strike they have already made. But uh, at this moment where you're making this interview, uh, the two major uh, campuses, which is Mayagüez and Rio Piedras, are on an indefinite strike uh, until the, the demands of the students are met, which obviously include uh, uh, more resources to the university, stop, con uh, stop uh, uh, cutting uh, public funding, uh, uh, stop the, the increase of tuition, and uh, and right now, and, and, and obviously this changes uh, every day, depending on the meetings that the students uh, have in the, inside the, the university while, while they're on strike. But right now, uh, the two major universities in Puerto Rico uh, are on strike and students are meeting because they need to strike in order uh, for, for them to have also the time to meet and organize. And, uh, and this is something that is also comes uh, I pay attention to it in the documentary Drills of Liberation, Simulacros de Liberación. And, uh, and perhaps this, this struggle right now of 2021, it is also that continuation of that strike of 2017 that was a, that began and the students never were able to fulfill or, or achieve a, of, a, or achieve their demands, which was a, the repeal of PROMESA and was also uh, the auditing of Puerto Rico's debt because it is important that people understand that we are also being asked to pay for a debt that uh, we don't know what the debt is about, right? So that even makes it worse because we, we are a colony, so we should not be assuming any debt. But to make matters worse, uh, the debt that is imposed to us is not even justified. So the students have been demanding, well, if you're going to cut funding, show us you know, at least audit going on right. was of, of the first strike. And this is the continuation of that. Right. And that was a promise of uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as part of their uh, platform for Puerto Rico, right? That they, they were committed to an audit of Puerto Rico's debt, but that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the Democratic Party, I mean, they, they don't, they, they really don't fulfill any, any promise. And I think that's why that party uh, is in the crisis that it is right now. It's going to continue to be because they don't really execute. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, the, the Democratic Party doesn't really execute. And the same thing that is happening in the in the in, in the U.S. mainland is the same thing that is happening in Puerto Rico. And uh, and obviously, this is the reason why the Democrats are going to give a losing power and continue driving the U.S. to the extreme right. It's their fault. And this is another example of the Democrats doing their job badly. So continuing on the topic of education, let's set up this next clip. You have um, in your film, you talk about how a lot of elementary schools and high schools have been shut down and sort of students forced to pack in together to massive classrooms, basically to to as a cost saving measure. But it means a lot of whole schools shutting down. Can you set up this next clip for us? 
Yeah, so uh, throughout this, uh, uh, you know, th this attack of, of public education that I have mainly focused on uh, on higher education of on the university also uh, transcends to uh, to uh, to public schools, uh, you know, from kindergarten to twelfth uh, grade, right? And uh, and uh, particularly through in in the in two thousand eighteen after the hurricane, there was a ma the the biggest school closure uh, school closures in Puerto Rico and is another way of a, of a, of the fiscal control board reducing uh, the budget of the public uh, education department uh, in order to have uh, money to pay Wall Street bondholders right so again the, the education is the other uh, you know in all levels is getting uh, slashed in order to give uh, all uh, all this money to Wall Street banks, and what we are going to be seeing in in this scene is a uh, is a is a kindergarten teacher that uh, her school uh, where she, she has been teaching for uh, twenty six years is being closed, and uh, she's going to be displaced uh, to another school. Back into the metropolitan area, I went back to El Dorado, to the Mameyal neighborhood, where right before the beginning of classes, the Department of Education ordered the eviction of the Luis Muñoz Rivera School, and the students were relocated to the Jacinto López Martínez School. I am canalizing federal funds to raise their wages, otherwise um, I'm not firing anybody. What I don't understand is why do we have to fight? I'm doing everything possible to protect your interest, and I do it because it, it is the right thing to do. Juana Maimi is going to be one of the displaced teachers this fall of 2018. This was the kindergarten classroom. It even has its own bathrooms. The hall for the kindergarten in the other school doesn't even have bathrooms. So let me ask you about how people are fighting back and just dealing with the disasters that they face in Puerto Rico. A big theme of your film is mutual aid, how people, communities come together to support each other uh, in times of crises. You were on the ground immediately in the aftermath of Hurricane Maria, and you saw how the different institutions, support networks that sprung up to provide for people the basic necessities that they need, especially in the face of, uh, of a government, including a U.S. federal government that was just not there for the people. Can you talk about uh, the reporting that you did on that front and what mutual aid has come to mean in Puerto Rico in the aftermath of Hurricane Maria? I think like in many places in, in the U.S. Uh, after a disaster hits, uh, mutual aid uh, has been uh, the, the alternative. And uh, we've seen it uh, in New York, for example, we've seen it after Hurricane Sandy. Uh, we are seeing it in Florida also after the hurricanes. Uh, there's the, the the group Smile Trust, for example, over there that coordinates all these mutual aid efforts after a hurricane happens, and uh, and also happens in in many places in the Caribbean. So Puerto Rico is not uh, different in that sense. Uh, but uh, but what we are seeing, you know, I mean, is it, that difference in the sense that this is what 
communities of color needs to do because you know uh, when a disaster happens you get the, the people of color black people brown people uh, are the ones that, that are left off and uh and really the federal government the agencies as, as it's happening katrina as it happened in new york as it has happened in florida uh, and all the other uh, places where you know the, it is the communities of um, and black people that you know just get the short end of the stick, and and I, I think you know uh, after Hurricane Maria, what what the only thing that uh, helped uh, helped uh, the Puerto Ricans survive was mutual aid, and uh, a mutual aid come, could have come in many forms, and in some ways, what I focus are in the most organized forms of mutual aid, uh, and uh, where and and in the forms where mutual aids eats a political project. For example, this the I, I focus in the centers of, of, of mutual aid, which is uh, a movement that uh, grows from the uh, popular kitchens at the University of Puerto Rico, which was a project uh, developed uh, to attend the necessity of, of students who didn't have food to eat, right? So you, you're seeing that how this is also a continuation of that precarity, uh, you know, that students, you know, don't cannot be students and, and the students starve, it could starve while they, they are uh, uh, studying at the university. And, uh, and and this was one effort to try to address that. And it was through, through for example, that platform, that this platform got uh, reproduced after Hurricane Maria and a network of mutual aid centers was built, which I think is what is very, very interesting in Puerto Rico. I think uh, what is, what is, very unique about the process in Puerto Rico is that network of mutual aid that uh, that was built uh, after uh, Hurricane Maria, and also you know just evidences how uh, you know we are a black country. Uh, Puerto Rico is a black country, and uh, and the Caribbean is uh, is the blackest region in in the hemisphere. So uh, you will see how in how is also very clear the aspect that uh, we're black and brown people and that's why the US federal government doesn't really respond the same way that it doesn't respond in black and brown uh, neighborhoods in the US after disaster hits. So uh, so this, this, this mutual aid centers and these mutual aid projects also are, uh, have been articulated and have had a continuation post disasters as a political project. Uh, as a political project in the sense that just in general, the, the government of Puerto Rico doesn't function uh, properly. No, not There's not one agency or any aspect of the Puerto Rican government that is working at this moment, nothing, and not for anyone. Uh, the only people that is working is for the people who are, you know, getting rich from, from the system. But... No, not not aspect, not not the not, not parks, not uh, not uh, not the not even the the institute of culture. Nothing is working, and in that sense, people understanding that, realizing that there's this idea that there, there's not this, this there's this idea and this proposal. What I got, what I gotta make it clear is more than idea; it's a proposal. That. Uh, and this is argumented uh, a lot, from, for example, from Giovanni Roberto, which is interviewed in, in the documentary, that it is a proposal that we need to save ourselves 
because the government is not going to uh, save us, right? And that we need to establish our own institutions and our own parallel uh, governments, similar to perhaps what Zapatistas did in Chiapas, right? And it is that that is going to ensure the the survival of, of Puerto Ricans. But that also is all uh, cannot be uh, separated from the aspect that we need to hold the government accountable, right? So uh, the mutual aid project and the the mutual aid projects and uh, and protesting in the streets and continuing demanding uh, to the government to assume uh, the responsibility need to go hand in hand. And this and, and and that is some of what is happening in Puerto Rico, and that is what is being uh, discussed. And uh, and developed by by many organizers, having that uh, you know developing uh, autonomy in the communities, developing uh, perhaps this small type of governance uh, in the communities in order to survive, but at the same time uh, continuing uh, the struggle at a national uh, level in order to continue demanding the government at large to con and to continue fighting colonialism. So it, it is at the same time, uh, you know, that we need to uh, develop uh, these autonomy, uh, uh, autonomous projects in the communities that can uh, have some 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 level of, of uh, community governance, but at the same time uh, continue being in the streets at a national level, uh, demanding the government to assume their re responsibility, fighting uh, colonialism and also uh, fighting uh, U.S. Uh, oppression over Puerto Rican people. As we wrap, um, if you could tell us how to see the film, uh, how to support the film and any other closing words that you want to leave us with about what Puerto Rico is facing today? So thank you for that question. Um, so uh, the, the film is going to be opening in theaters in Puerto Rico on November 25th, and, uh, and it's still touring around some festivals in the United States. The next festival that is going to be shown at is uh, the uh, International Puerto Rican Heritage Film Festival, which happens in New York, and uh, and the film is going to be screening the night of uh, November twelfth. Uh, the best way to support the film, really, it's uh, is consuming it once I, I once we have it out there, right? Uh, you know, uh, uh, we're, we're we're planning to uh, to release it uh, to, to stream the film. Uh, we're still uh, trying to uh, find uh, the right platform to do it, but uh, but really to to see the film and and, and buy the film. And, and and one of the things here, and and it, this is very important, is that we we are not operating with this film was done from the movements. We have we, we don't operate with any large grants. So the film is also an experiment of how to make a self-sustaining uh, project of media in Puerto Rico. Uh, and in that sense, we're trying to also develop our own independence. And in that way, practice that independence that we uh, want from, from the United States, also practice uh, the independence in micro levels. So uh, so the practice of this film is, uh, you know, is for us to be really uh, 
to to self-sustain our project and never and since we're working with heavy political stuff don't need to rely on philanthropy don't need to rely on large grants don't need to rely uh, and obviously we're not going to take corporate money not uh, and neither government money so uh, so i think the best way is uh supporting our independence uh, follow us in social media so uh in Simulacros de Liberación, or social media are actually in Spanish with the title of the film in Spanish, Simulacros de Liberación, to keep up to date to our events, our fundraising calls. But uh, what I say is the most direct, you know, uh, once the film is out there, uh, please buy it, please buy it, uh, because that helps uh, support our project. And, and obviously, you know, buying it for those who have the capacity because, uh, what we also do is trying to make the, the film as accessible uh, as possible and uh, make free screenings and give the movie for free. But for those who can buy the film, please buy the film and support this project. The film is called Drills of Liberation. Juan Carlos Davila, journalist, documentary filmmaker. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Aaron, here.